Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Wicking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Heidelin and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hey, Levi. Today, we are continuing the main story quest, and we are playing up through the quest, Rock the Castrum. Yeah. What happened last time, Jen? Oh, Jesus. Okay, now this is probably good. This this exercise is probably preventing my dementia diagnosis. <laughs> uh, just pushing it out a little bit. So... We're in the middle of Operation Archon, and last time was the beginning of Operation Archon. In the beginning, Minfilia and Sid and Alfino and uh, we walked into the Fragrant Chamber to interrupt the, the Aorzean Alliance leader meeting, because they were, they were like on the verge of surrendering to um, the Black Wolf, and we're like, please don't do that. That would be stupid. So we convinced them not to do that, and we were going to go full, full offensive for this. Um, so that we, they came up with a four-step strategy, and last time was step one, where we uh, confront Ritaten at Cape Westwind and remove this tactical genius from the picture. That's what we did. We, we beat him. That's a very eloquent way of saying that we killed him. Yeah. We removed the genius from the picture. Correct. He has been slain. It was a well-thought battle yeah on both sides and now with the first step achieved we have just arrived in northern thanalan to proceed with the operation this is our first time in northern thanalan in the main story and as we arrive here we are immediately struck by how blue everything is it's still a desert but everything is tinged this eerie blue color including the air itself it's thick with this blue vapor yeah, we're all getting cancer right now. Yes, we are. And that is because the area is rich in ceruleum deposits. Ceruleum evaporates on contact with the air. So all that goodness is getting up into our lungs, <laughs> lodging there we're for- We're all Magitech. Yeah. <laughs> the Uldans who are stationed here vie against the Imperial forces nearby in the Castrum for control over this resource. Though Garlemald is rich in ceruleum, Eorzea is not- and this is one of the few exceptions to that. Yeah, this is huge. This is why Castrum Meridianum is here on the source. Yep. Um, but it's it's been it's been a location of of heated confrontations. Let's just say um, in the past, Raban knows. <laughs> yes, he does. The character accessible portion of the zone is a stretch of rocky earth that runs north south, but to the west there is a steep drop off leading to the Cerulean Fields. Go fishing here. And we can see great pipes running from the field to the ceruleum processing plant in the center of the zone. In the northern portion, we can find the walls of Castrum Meridianum, which is our next target. The land between the plant and Castrum is known as Raubon's Push from a prior conflict where Raubon led outnumbered forces in a victory over the Imperials, forcing them to withdraw. The aptly named Camp Blue Fog is our destination. This was a former Stone Torch and Brass Blade encampment, but it was taken over by the Immortal Flames given the increased Imperial activity nearby. Mm -hmm. So they kind of outgrew their, their pay grade yeah. and have made way for the Flames to intervene. Yeah. And Jen, I feel like this zone is highly underutilized. We're never there, it's... except to go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's extremely distinct visually speaking, and the northern part is full of Magitech wreckage from yeah. past battles. Yeah. And it looks great, but we spend no time here, even during the main story. Like, we're here for a pit stop. We don't have to fight a single thing here. Nope. And then we're out. There are a couple side quests that take place here, but otherwise, it's like a non-zone. It's so odd that this distinct area is just not made use of. Yeah. And I feel like if this were put into place in a more current expansion, more current content, they would have some like solo duty here where you would push up towards the castrum and fight through the field using the zone as a kind of set piece for a story. Oh, yeah. But back in the old days, though, they were less good at making dynamic solo content like that. Right. And and it's an area, obviously, that's really, it's it's like ripe for that kind of stuff. Yep. Because it's Immortal Flames territory butting right up against Castrum Meridianum. All right. So next stop for us, in, so the beginning of phase three, phase three in which we infiltrate Castrum Meridianum. Uh, first stop is Camp Blue Fog. We check in with Cracked Fist and he's like, hey, thanks for coming. If you can hop over to the Ceruleum Processing Plant encampment, this is where our garrison is being staged for the, well, battle, I guess. Yeah. Um, I was going to say invasion, but it's not really that. But they're they're all feeling pretty, like, bummed. And so it's going to be our job to go around and and bolster their spirits and really light a fire under their asses. So that's what we do uh, as the hero of Cape Westwind. Yeah, like, fine. But we have a responsibility. And so Raubon is speaking to some troops there and he's like hey so if you can just run around you don't even have to say anything you can just like stand there <laughs> your presence alone will be enough to kind of you know stir their souls again so there's a, a few people we, we walk, run around camp um and psych them up so the the first one i ran into uh all of these people are like slumped on the ground and first guy actually it's a woman and she's, she's, so she jumps up and says, your stirring gesticulation has reawakened me to my purpose. Yay, we have gesticulated. And then there's another guy and he's like, oh, I break my fast on Garleans and right now I'm super hungry. Oh, and he runs off. I thought that was really funny. And then last but not least, Lieutenant Edelstein. Rabon's like, you need to go talk to Lieutenant Edelstein. He puts on a, a brave face, but he's struggling. And we go over and he's like, I'm fine, blah, blah, blah. And we, we psych him up and give him our gesticulations. And he's like, you know what? I really needed that. Thanks, bro. Thanks for the psych, bro. Yeah. With our job there done, now it's time to meet Robon and start this whole thing. So it's interesting where this whole scene takes place. I found it, I found it very awkward because we're literally, literally... At the doorstep yeah, of Castro so Meridianum. Yeah, we walk through the wreckage of the past battles and then- Through co cohorts, vanguards, they're patrolling and we're just hanging out right there in front of the doors. Yeah, so th there are active forces patrolling outside <laughs> the Castrum's walls. And you're talking to Rabban, you can hear them walking behind yeah, you. Yeah, and <laughs> he is standing alone by the walls. Yeah. Like, maybe take some precautions here, head of the Immortal Flames like, guy. Probably should have staged this away. Because the people you're going to engage in this diversionary tactic are literally like 10 feet behind us. Really, It's really weird. And then in a second, there will be a couple dozen people there to hear Raubon's briefing on the, yep. on the mission. And again, a couple dozen people literally standing within stone's throw of 
all of the guards. It's stones drop. <laughs> like they are directly True. below the wall. It's really weird. So we talk to Raban and then as soon as we say, hey, Raban, what's up? There's a huge rush and people just appeared and fill in behind us. The yeah. whole host assembles. And Raban gives another rousing speech. Uh, Menphilia and Alphano also join Raban. They take his side. Mm-hmm. Shout out for my girl Merlvib. So Raban is like, we have successfully blockaded both Castrum's Occidens and Marinum. And while the Garleans fought, fought fiercely, the Admiral yielded not a single ilm. And I'm like, no, she didn't because she is awesome. There's a lot of talk from Menphilia about how all of Eorzea's peoples are different. They might not see eye to eye with their various cultural backgrounds, but we've come together for this operation. She also takes a dig at the Empire, too. Even though Eorzea is divided by its differences, it is no sterile orthodoxy. Right. Our diversity is what is what strengthens us. Because if there's diversity, that means liberty. And uh, Althino is up next, and this is where he draws everybody's attention to us. You all know such and such. <laughs> you all know Warrior of Light, right? Well, the Scions know her as as someone who is, you know, we know her as a, as a dear friend who has endured untold hardship on our behalf. A true hero who has ever blazed a path for us to follow. I say this because it is now our turn to blaze a path for her or him, whatever. For the Warrior of Light. For the Warrior of Light. We have the title now officially. We can use that. Blaze a path for our friend. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And now Sid joins us in the crowd. He tells us that he cannot join this operation as he has to facilitate communications between the allied forces, which is emphatically untrue. He is very involved in a hot second, so I'm not sure what he's thinking right now. I mean, he has a team of engineers. He can be like, all right, uh, done, 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 done. I'm leaving it in your hands. I got to go help my my buddy. Yep. And that's exactly what he does. He, he tells us, though, that he'll be sitting this one out, TBD, of course. But he can't. He just can't. Uh, and, and when he's telling us what he has to do, he's like the unenviable task. He's probably super excited to just delegate that whole thing <laughs> and like get in there. Then Minfilia comes up to us personally and gives us a may the crystal bless you. While sure. Raoban leads the forces in a cry of for Eorzea. Woo! Then it's go time. If you enter the dungeon with a party of NPCs, you have the allied forces available to you. There are Flame, Adder, and Maelstrom NPCs that you can tap for this duty, or go in with players, whichever you want. On entry, we get a cutscene of the skies over the Castrum, Magitech airships circle around, and in the background there is a huge energy dome. This is the shield that we need to disable so that we can gain access to the inner fortress, the Praetorium. Yep. Castrum Meridianum is absolutely sprawling. This is the biggest castrum on Eorzea. It's like a city in terms of size, almost. Seriously, yes. There's like roads. Uh, So 
unlike the more built-up cast drums, this kind of alternates between a Cape Westwind style, here are some metal plates and so on on the raw ground, and also here are some built-up areas where it's fully transformed. Yeah. So we kind of go between these pockets of structure, then we go through storage yards until we get to the next point of interest. And the whole time, there's this... It, I think it used to be worse, but the whole time it's it's there's like this this mechanical drone yeah that just continues the this wow wow like over and over and over again yeah, it gets that's a little the alarm. intense it, it is pretty annoying yeah. no <laughs> no denying that and as we go through this dungeon sid will start to ping us on our link pearl giving us some insider info on the area and the first request though is that hey would you go and make a diversion inside so i can search for for the generator and I don't know, it seems like he snuck inside as well, because there's no airship, whatever, that he's flying around. That'd I, mean, be spotted. I mean, our diversionary tactic on the inside is probably more than enough for him to just, like, sneak in on, on like, on his lonesome. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's, it's just, again, very odd that he goes from, I'm going to stay back and, and facilitate, and now I'm, I'm inside, make me a, a diversion. Yeah. We head up this metal-plated walkway deeper into the castrum, and... We will run into these laser gate checkpoints all the time in here. And this is just like the standard gating between enemy packs. Defeat two groups of enemies, the gate drops, we progress further. Same thing again, repeat. It's the standard dungeon formula. Pretty much, yeah. And then we get to an interior walled courtyard and come across our first boss fight, the Black Eft. The Black Eft is a guy in a Magitech Reaper. It's a guy in a Reaper. The open cockpitted walking Magitech. Right. It's like, it's, it's a Maggie. This is an ads fight. During the entire fight, he will be calling in reinforcements to back him up. Both scrub ground troops and also at one point a pair of Magitech Colossi join the fight. Yep. Otherwise, no big deal. His main move is his Magitech Cannon, which is another attack that has no ground telegraph. He will point the Reaper forward, charge up a big blast, and then just shoot it, no ground markers, just yeah, don't stand. Yeah, you just stand. gotta pay attention to where he's pointing and don't yep. stand in front of it. He will call in airstrikes too, which will just kind of ping the area full of party-wide damage. That's it. That's it. No big deal. He goes down. So we're now we're kind of at a dead end. Like, there's no there's no door anywhere. We're, we're like, stuck. And... So Sid calls us on the link pearl. He's like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, you've hit a dead end, but I got I got a solution for you. Um, there's a disposal chute just, just in the corner. Jump down it and you'll find yourself in a new sector. This seems like a waste metal chute, though, because we end up in like a scrap just, pile. Know, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe get a tetanus shot afterwards. <laughs> Along with our cerulean fog shot. Yep. <laughs> After we go down the chute, we fight through more enemies. This area gets mixed up because now there are ground strikes around there us. There are aerial We're being, bombardments. Yeah, yeah, bombarded. So there will be markers on the ground from the bombardment plus the enemy attacks we have to dodge. A little escalation, but same old stuff. Yep. Uh, and then we get to our second mini boss fight. Uh, this is, a, I think, an F-51 Vanguard. Um, so it's a big ass Vanguard. Um, Just F-1. Uh, so we fight this guy. This guy has, he's got some mechanics going on. Um, he's got like a ground strike, which will um, put like a, a, a vibrate, not a vibrating, but like an emanating target on one side of the arena. And you have to get far, the farther away from it you are, the less damage you take. I think this is the first proximity AOE of the game. I think so, yeah. 
So this I mean, is going to be a common mechanic, even in this dungeon. Very common. If you see a marker on the ground that has kind it, like, of pulsing, ripples out, yeah. yeah, that means the closer you are to the marker, the more damage it will do. So try to get as far away as possible from that as you can. Yes. And then also maybe mid up. Use your, your damage mitigation too. Sure. Especially for some higher damage fights later on. In general, if you are too close to one of these things when they go off, it will one-shot you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing this one is more merciful being the first one. I, I assume so. I've never been very close to it. Uh, but this is Jin does the mechanics correctly. Yay! Well, now I do. <laughs> <laughs> and this is something that will pop up again at the final boss of this yep. dungeon. Um, but it, it will escalate, so just... You know, but yeah, so that's that's the first proximity thing. And he also does a um a, like a patterned donut AOE. It's not like a classic donut, so it's like it's a targeted AOE on him. But then there's like a small circle that is safe, and then a and then the AOE continues. Yeah, it's like the inverse almost of that Cyclops AOE from Arum Vale, where like the mid range is safe, right. but the near and far are dangerous. Yeah, because the safe zone is also very narrow. Other than that, I think that's. That's those are the two unique mechanics from Pretty that basic. guy. When we're done with this one, Sid calls us again. He's like, "Hey, I found a suit of armor. I'll see you in a second. Of course, we hit another bulkhead and we can't move forward. This is actually the first place we were. We went down the chute and then we returned back to that first dead end, but we have come through one of the doors that was sealed. If you look to your right here, you will see the entry path that you just came down into the dungeon. Oh. Sid will then blast through the opposite wall from you, giving you access to a further portion of this area. Well, yeah, we're standing there and Sid's talking to us. And then suddenly one of these doors just blows up. And then there's Sid standing on the other side in a Reaper. He's like, follow me. And here we go. And this is, he has found the field generator. And we follow him to the area. So what he wants us to do here is pull all of the mobs so that he can just whale on the field generator and uh that's what we do so we fight a bunch of dudes a bunch of colossi sids and just in the background just bomb 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 on the field generator the and whole time. this thing looks like a techno tower a glowing cylinder that has a, a beam going from the top of it over to the force field around the praetorium a techno tower is that a reference to something no it's a tower that's techno Oh. It's a reference to the field up. generator, Jin. Oh, okay. You just, I a techno tower is a, is a Levi-ism. I observed it with my eyes, and I discerned its true nature. The Magitech tower? A techno tower. Okay. I'm like, is that something from your, like, raver days? What is the problem with the techno tower? I'm <laughs> calling <laughs> it like <laughs> I'm seeing <laughs> it, Jin. <laughs> it is not that. It's not a raver tower. <laughs> You're the one who called it a techno tower. But um, after he's done weakening it, Sid does his favorite move, which is he overloads the Magitech Reaper. All power diverted to cannon. And blasts a fat blast of energy at the Techno Tower, shorting it out. And we see in the distance the shield dropping around the Praetorium. Boom. You fucking did it. But we don't have time to rejoice at this moment. Because as we move forge ahead, Livia S. Junius is standing there. And she's not going to let us pass. Like, there's no way. And she is pissed. She's pissed in every possible way a person can be pissed. Um, She's confused. She's mad. She's desperate. She's horny. Always for Gaius. She's confused that a simple adventurer like us has achieved this status that we have. The Eorzean people have put us on a pedestal for reasons she cannot comprehend. 
yes, we have this thing called the Echo, and Gaia seems super intrigued by it, but, like, she couldn't give two shits. And, uh, you know, everything that she has worked for, everything that she is owed by right, it's not going to be taken away by the likes of us. Her ambitions, her comrades, and most importantly, Gaius. Yeah. She lost everything before, but she will not let that happen again. We'll have to get back to that line much later on. Yeah. Anyways, just uh, put a pin in that. So she, she went full, full like sociopath after her trauma. Because there's really nothing we can see at this point that is redeemable about her. This is the speech that she is infamous for, the Agaius speech. His dreams and ambitions, his body and soul, they are mine. Do you hear me? All mine. Okay, like, we don't want those things. (laughs) Well, you cannot have him, (laughs) Okay, okay, bitch, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And then we fight. Yeah, and so this fight was reworked as like this this whole dungeon was. Yeah. Um and I'm so glad because it's 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 hard. Like it's it's a doozy of a fight now. Yeah, she will keep you on your toes. Absolutely. This will make you have to to work for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to have to, you know, just pay close attention. There's AoEs galore. You're going to have to pay attention to the order of the AoEs so that you can stand in safe places. She will use the proximity AoE constantly. Um, and they will appear and at you know simultaneously in two different parts um, on the arena, and it's like I can't run to the opposite side of the arena because there's a proximity AOE over there. Yep. So you have to split the difference, follow her. Um, especially you know uh, melee DPSs are gonna need to really like be on on their shit. But even range, like if you get caught on the other side of the like you can't do yep. anything, um, which isn't bad. It's just whatever. But yeah, her whole deal is that she gives you multiple threats that all are incompatible so there's no safe space available but what you do is you just look at the order that the things are telegraphed in so they'll be like maybe in an inner circle of danger then outer circles the inner one will resolve first then you dodge into the former danger zone and the outside explodes yep there'll be like a proximity aoe and then there'll be a bunch of ground shit going on you've got to dodge the ground shit and then avoid the proximities calm down don't be overwhelmed by the sheer quantity of threats and just look at the order they appear in and trust they will resolve as you saw them and you'll be fine. Yeah, it's like it's the fight is like dip, dive, duck, dodge and dodge or whatever, whatever it is they say. God nice damn. quote. Yeah. Dip, dive, duck, duck, dodge and dodge. <laughs> yeah, dodge, dive, dip, duck and dodge. Dodge. They do say dodge twice. Okay. But I don't remember the order. I see. Sorry, guys. Once Livia is defeated, she collapses onto the ground don't take him away from me, my Lord Gaius. And then she perishes. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I mean, she's, she's bereft. You know, I can't believe this is happening again. I mean, it's sad, but I don't have any mercy or sympathy for her. Sid rolls up and he likewise has no sympathy. He's actually pretty rude. Well, no, um, no, he, he does offer something like he, he calls her another poor fool who right. craved Gaius's affection over all else. Right. 
Then he says, may her soul rest in peace. Yeah. I mean, that's as good as idiot. it's going to get for her. I, I mean, I'll stop short of calling her an idiot. I mean, she's troubled. But yeah, she is a uh, a homicidal maniac. But now we can rejoice because we did it. Phase three is a success. So we have to now fall back from the castrum because we must access the Praetorium by airship. We can't get there on foot. So we're going to go and retreat, regroup, get on the Enterprise, and then take flight. That'll all be next time. That's the dungeon. Thoughts on the current version of Castrum Meridianum Gin? I think it's a great dungeon. I think it's hard. Well, if you're if uh, if you're doing it for the first time, if you're a new player, yeah, it's gonna be hard, which is great. The 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 mob fights leading up to the mini bosses aren't very; they're a little tanky. I thought so too. I was taking a long time. Mm-hmm. This was with NPCs. Same. I was actually taking notes while they were fighting for me <laughs> because. Wow, they're fine. They did fine. They they did fine, but also like I did a couple fights with them. It was going like a crawl. We know that the NPCs do less damage than players do, but like I was getting bored just mashing my AOE button. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to aggro them. I'm going to fall back and I'll just make my notes while you guys clear ahead. And that worked out better. (laughs) Good. But yeah, I I thought the the mini boss fights were great. Um, I really enjoy the Livia fight. It's fun. It's hard. Yeah. Lots of shit to to look at and run away from. So uh, we're going to spend some time today talking about the earlier version of both Castrum Meridianum and the Praetorium. And that's because we have a lot to talk about next time with the whole prey and so on, the whole thing there. So we are talking today about original Praetorium and original Castrum Meridianum. If you have not played through the quest, The Ultimate Weapon, Hop off here because there will be spoilers. I probably should have watched a video of the old fight. I don't remember it at all. If you've not finished off the Praetorium for yourself, sign off now. This is the last talk of the episode. Unless you don't care. See you next time. (laughs) Uh, Otherwise, uh, so we'll talk about the old versions now. So when I started playing, uh, the old version of Castor Meridianum was still up. But uh, by the time I got to a level where I could run it um, as part of MSQ Roulette, I only was able to do it like maybe twice. Uh, before it was changed um, because I wasn't I did not run MSQ roulettes I just didn't um, so I, I wasn't I wasn't too familiar my memories of it are are uh, sketchy at best like we mentioned last time all of the operation Archon content was refreshed in the 6.x patch series and this is what changed Cape Westwind into a solo duty and also it changed both Castrum Meridianum and the Praetorium into shorter four-person dungeons from eight-person dungeons. And this massively altered the Praetorium. The old Praetorium was one giant cutscene-heavy dungeon that included the fights with Nero, Gaius, Ultima Weapon, and La Habrea all in one giant chunk of content. God. 45 minutes long. Yes, this was actually like 40 plus minutes long with people who were speedrunning it. Because mm-hmm. you can't skip the cutscenes. Nope. And now the Ultima Weapon is a separate four-person trial and La Habrea is a solo fight. And this was a great change for the game because um, the old dungeons were rough and they had they were full of mandatory cutscenes. Praetorium especially. 
Oh, gosh, yes. People bloviating on and on. You could not skip the cutscenes, whether it was your first time or your 50th time in the dungeon. And these were part of a special roulette, they still are, called Main Scenario Roulette. And this gives huge tombstone and experience rewards for players to participate in it. But that means that you're stuck, if you run it, going back through this old content. I mean, it's for leveling, it's really great. But you got to sit through some stuff. And so this made this messed up incentive structure where people were heavily incentivized to run MSQR, MSQ Roulette, half an hour plus of boredom (laughs) as they had to go through this again. So this led to some really strange behaviors. Some players would just AFK, like they'd show up, they'd AFK, hope they don't get kicked. You know, you guys run it, I'm just going to hide here in the background. Hopefully nobody notices I'm not participating. Right. Some people would watch YouTube during the dungeon. Or, or whatever. Some people had the cutscenes time. They would like get up and do stuff, then come back down when the cutscene ended because they knew this would be like a five minute cutscene. Sure. Yeah. So, like a milkshake. And then they return, move their character 50 feet to the next cutscene, and then repeat. <laughs> so bad. And the Praetorium was the worst offender in terms of cutscene to gameplay ratio. Yeah. The elevator cutscene. You'll have so much time. The most extreme optimization I saw was some people would change their language settings because the cutscenes are timed to the voice acting of the voiced cutscenes. <laughs> so like one scene would be fastest in German, one scene would be fastest in Japanese. So they would change their language between scenes to have them end faster and gain a few seconds. Incredible. And then there were people who would force quit their client and then rejoin because that would cancel the cutscene and let them keep on trucking. So yeah, there was some seriously yeah, I we're, guess, we're just building better mousetraps. Yeah, pretty much. Odd behavior, as we call it, <laughs> to um, to deal with this boredom of this content. Even though, again, the, the rewards were so good, people still did that, even though they hated it. Now the devs have shifted the majority of those scenes to outside the dungeon. The new players will see the scenes before or afterwards. And then when you're in there, then it's down to only what's mandatory. And Praetorium still has some cutscenes. Um, the elevator scene is still there, even now. Mm-hmm. Well, it is, I mean, we want to let Gaius shoot his shot of course (laughs) so we'll let him but still um it's so much faster and they have cut out again the ultimate weapon and la brea from the back end so now there's no waiting around for those things to resolve huge first off the old castrum meridianum the critical path of meridianum is largely the same as it was before however it used to have these weird unique mechanics that you had to complete to progress while now it's mostly just a regular dungeon first off remember that it used to be for eight players not four players oh yeah so enemy counts and so on were bumped up compared to today's version and experienced tanks would sprint as far as possible there were no more uh, gating there's no like laser gates blocking your path between two packs of enemies Mm -hmm. so they would run until the next checkpoint, which would either be a boss fight or a mechanic. And then they would stop there. And sometimes you'd have to DPS down um, groups of enemies and hope the healers could catch up with these like 20 plus whatever enemies that are following you around. But you would have two healers there too. Hopefully one's not AFKing. (laughs) Yeah. The fights in here were pretty basic except for Olivia. But between the boss fights is where the weirdness happened. There were these searchlights on the ground that would kind of sweep around and you'd have to disable them at like a control panel thing. And if you walked in them, it triggered an alarm and go womp, womp, womp at you. Mm-hmm. That sound that Jin loves so much. Womp. And then in the second stretch, right before the Vanguard, you'd have to blow up these cerulean pipelines 
You can still see this in the dungeon. It's just kind of fenced off with these tank trap type things. To your right, just before the F1 Vanguard, there is like this platformy thing over these Cerulean vats. And you'd have to go over there and kill these vanguards on the platforms, steal their explosives, use those to detonate the um, the pipes, oh and that would then take down a force field blocking your path forward. And then you fight the vanguard, it was no big deal. After that, Sid would show up as he does now, except that there was this whole other section of the dungeon that has been walled off in the current version. This is a massive loop that goes from the entry point and loops around until it gets to the final arena. So this place used to be full of enemies, and then Sid would have to walk his Magitech Reaper at like walking speed around the whole loop so he could then advance the action and trigger the next boss fight. Oh, I vaguely remember this. I think because the party would be hanging out in the spot for fucking ever yes. doing nothing, so the waiting tanks- for him to show up. So we would use map markers, C, 1, and D. Yeah. And just say, Sid! <laughs> and then we'd just run around and do shit. Get over here, Sid. Yeah. You would pull the whole pack of enemies all in one go, stop at this next boss arena, DPS down the ads, and just hang out for a good few minutes until Sid catches up. Once Sid gets there, it triggers the next boss fight. This is gone entirely from the dungeon. This boss fight was against a Colossus, a Magitech Colossus. It would summon ads into the arena, and they would tether to it, making it invulnerable. So you'd have to DPS the boss, DPS the ads that tether to it, and then go hit the boss some more. Huge pain in the ass. <laughs> it's a, yes. Once that went down, then you could progress to where the finale is today. Sid would then blast through this wall with his overcharged Reaper. That is where he burnt out the Reaper last time. He would use it to blow through a wall. Mm-hmm. And then you would enter into this parade ground in front of the final arena. This used to be full of enemies, like too many to take. But what you would do is you would kind of go up. And again, you can see this now. It is just in front of Livia's boss arena. There is like a upper gangplank platform thing that is blocked off now. And you used to be able to go up there and you would take down some guards up there. And then you would uh, think of that. It was like you had to grab key cards or something from the guards. My God. Some, Some trigger up there that will then let you commandeer these anti-air cannons and then you would use the cannons to blast an airship out of the sky the airship you got a cutscene for this the airship would come crashing down into the field generator tower right and that took out the um, it was one of three the yeah Yeah. the praetorium's thing because also like the pipelines took down one and so on you know it's a whole thing right but the finale though was that you would shoot down this airship and it would crash into the tower and then it would knock the fuel down and this was so much better than the little scene with Sid dinking I on the tower know. now. It, that that I'm sad because that's so impressive. That's so cinematic. Yeah. Um, and then we just have Sid in his little techno tower. Don't get me wrong. The mechanics sucked. You'd have to right click on this. It's, it's so convoluted. Uh, you just click on this cannon and then dodge AOEs and click some more. And then eventually it crashes down. It was not fun to do. It just had a, a very dramatic scene, which is now lost to the ages. And then you fight Livia as before. However, the old Livia fight, though, was awful. So you may recall this, Jen, as well. She was in her own Magitech Reaper. This was like a custom Reaper with oh, it was like, the white one. Yeah, yeah. white lacquered Reaper. Yeah. And you could not damage it directly. It was near invulnerable to normal damage. So what would happen is that there would be these little Magitech claws that would grab missiles off a rack 
they would carry them oh so oh slow. Oh my god! And load them into cannons. Then a player would have to fire the cannon into Livia's Reaper, yeah. which would actually damage it. I forgot about that entirely. If a Klaga attacked, then it died. <laughs> and then you'd have to wait for it to respawn before you could proceed with the fight. And you're having to tell half your party, like, don't attack the claws. Well, half the party would, like, idle here because, one, there's nothing else to do. And also, two, it's boring as shit. Yeah, there's there's activity for two people. So you have to kill the ads so they don't kill the claws. And then you click on the cannon to shoot Livia with it. And then you wait around for the claw to go back so slowly to the rack, grab the next missile, come back to the cannon oh so slowly, and then reload it and repeat. And then she gets knocked out of her Reaper and then it's a normal fight, whatever. The end. That was old Castrum Meridianum. That was lame. (laughs) But the current... Castrum is a sanitized tunnel dungeon. Yeah. It yeah. like there's nothing about it that's interesting besides the boss mechanics like every single sanitized tunnel dungeon in the game. I, I wish they still had the a mechanic where like it seems dumb that the that the Garleans would not have implemented redundancy in their field generators. So in the original Castrum Radiatum, yeah, we had to take down all three that's I mean, it's classic, right? There's three. Uh-huh. In Star Wars, there's three. And you gotta you gotta take those down before the, the field dies. And this one, there's just the one. That doesn't make any sense to me. Sure, for clarification, for streamlining the dungeon, it, it does. But I, I do I almost wish that the, the mini bosses were guarding a field generator, and when we kill the boss or the mini boss, then we can destroy that field generator, and then like that seems more complete to me. I wish they had tried to actually make the mechanics good of the old dungeon versus scrap them entirely, because that was a distinct experience. It was not good, but it was novel and it was creative. Yes. And I wish they had tried to make a way to actually, so Tank, you hold this guy over here, and then I have to go and like boop this thing over here and so on, and make it more interactive and dynamic, not just, can I spam click in between being auto-attacked by enemies? Yes. Like, it, they just kind of scrapped the old castrum entirely and just called it a normal dungeon versus trying to make it its own distinct experience because there's nothing to recommend it, it's, really. It's the same same format as every other dungeon. Yep. That's castrum. Um, and now on to old Praetorium. This was all, all cutscene, no no content. Oh, I mean, the content was the cutscenes. Right. Like, every yeah. two seconds, there's an unskippable cutscene. And people in the old version would not fight the normal enemies, period. It would be a sprint yes. to go between these Magitech <laughs> transporters and then yeah. click on them frantically yeah, and then and, teleport and through. For If you're doing this for like the first or second time, you don't know that that's the meta. You're just like, guys, we're at, there's these guys out here. We got to fight them. And meanwhile, people are just down the chute. They're like, bye. And then people are up still up top trying to fight guys and they don't, they're very, they're very confused and it's a total goddamn mess. Yeah. If you don't know what's going on or if you're just too slow, forget the last person through the portal because they're likely to just get auto attacked and not be able to click on 100%. the transporter before they get beat down. Yeah. But then they sit around and wait for the next teleport to the boss arena prompt and then they catch up that way. That was me. <laughs> yeah. Except for a couple places where you had to kill enemies to steal key cards. You would not fight enemies, period, in this dungeon. Then there were the elevators. (laughs) There were multiple operable elevators, and you had to have, well, you didn't have to have, but you should have the entire party on them because once you press the button, they go down. And if you're two seconds late, 
forget you, you're stuck on the last floor. Yeah. The elevator goes up or down. You've got to summon it back to you, get on it, and then run it again. And this was made worse by the fact, again, so many cutscenes, the people would idle after cutscenes, and then people would kind of check back in with like a 10 second spread. You have six people on the elevator, two people idling, and they're wondering, do are they going to come back any second? Are they done? You know, do we go now? Do we wait? The boss fights here are all new in the current version. The old ones were almost entirely tank and spank. Nothing special about them. Then um, the current version ends after the fight with Gaius. Gaius has his brand new flashy fight, mm-hmm. and then it's over. The end. Ultima is a separate mechanic. In the old version, though, after you defeat Gaius, then he calls up the Ultima weapon. So you sit around for that cutscene, and then the Ultima weapon appears. In the old version, the weapon was invulnerable for a good amount of time until the whole thing with the Blessing of Light kicked in. So you would like sit around and it would attack you. You'd have to wait for the dialogue with Heidelin coming in to give you the power to defeat the ultimate weapon. Yeah. And until then, you could not damage it effectively. And that's so confusing, too, because you think like, okay, here's the guy. It's targetable. I'm going to fight it. It doesn't matter. You just have to wait for it. And that confused the hell out of me because people were just like standing around. The whole thing was baffling. It just it doesn't. <laughs> You you would have you had to be like the cool kid who knew the meta in order to fight the thing. You can't just go in like ready to fight. All of your normal tricks were not going to work oh, here. Eventually, after 15, 20 seconds, whatever it is, she will get to the line where she's like, have the blessing of light. Here you go. Ugh. And then you can fight it for real. <laughs> yeah. You're like, are we just going to die here? Like, but- what's happening? Until then, though, aggro was an absolute shit show because tanks could not generate threat because they can't damage the boss. So like one heal will shoot the healer up the top of the aggro chart. All, all the damage is mitigated to shit. So you can't actually pull aggro as a tank. Enjoy your ultimate weapon auto attacks healer until right? <laughs> that the tank can actually pull aggro when the fight starts in full. Then you defeat ultimate weapon. You get more cutscenes. There's a La Habrea fight. Oh boy. And I don't know if La Habrea have mechanics because you never see them. He just gets stomped into the ground in 30 seconds tops, probably less. <laughs> Sad. And then it's over. Sad. New prey, far better than old prey. Thank you, Yoshi P, for the revised streamlined Praetorium. We understand what you were trying to do, but we're, we're all very stupid and uh, it was confusing. And um, there are some things we would have liked you to keep, but we understand and um, uh, can keep on keeping on. Anything else, Jen? Justice for Maggie. Well, next time we are playing through the rest of the finale. All right, that will do it for today's episode. Oh my God, we're so cool. Thank you guys so much for listening, of course. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we've got two two ways one of them is cooler than the other that one is our discord that's up and um it's just a great place to say hi and talk about your character talk about whatever the fuck honestly and then uh and then uh by email at podreturn ffxiv at uh, gmail.com and we've gotten some really really lovely messages from listeners and uh it just it makes me cry it's it's really really great because i'm a i'm a lurker at heart so i don't really <laughs> say much but i i feel everything anyway um uh we love you guys we hope you enjoyed the episode and uh have a good day or night 
and we will see you next time.